I'm going to go further and cut the main rate of employee national insurance by two percentage points from 12% to 10%. And Mr Speaker, I would normally bring in a measure like this from the start of the new tax year in April. But instead, tomorrow, I'm introducing urgent legislation yes. to bring it in from January the 6th. So So people can see the benefit in their payslips at the start of the new year. When I will see the, those hostages back here in Israel, I will be very happy for their families and for them, but I'm very happy for them, really. But we also need to remember that it's only the beginning. and. 12 or 13 hostages that will be released today, hopefully, and uh, 50 total in the next four days is, is less than a quarter. And they will it, and I can't wait. We'll make sure the Dutch people will be number one again. The hope is that people will get their country back. We'll make sure the Netherlands are for the Dutch again. We'll limit the asylum tsunami. This week, as we watched the unfolding narratives, it appeared that, much like James Cleverly, the world sometimes shifts its senses of right and wrong to fit the political script. The urgent quest for votes can sometimes blur our commitment to protecting the most vulnerable, with stories like those from the Middle East and the world of business dominating headlines, it's a stark reminder that our choices in the political arena have real-life consequences for countless individuals. As we navigate these complex narratives, let's not forget our duty to those who need our protection the most. Just calling it as I see it. My view on the world this week. Welcome, this is Maritime Radio, it's a war-winning community talk show that shines light on and, well, gives voice to London and the world's diverse community in action. It's really good to be back. Trevor Blackman here. Uh, how are you on this Sunday? Uh, don't forget though, it's also the show that plays the tracks from my collection, oh yes indeedy, and provides the headline news that, well, you might have missed, including the World Food Programme warns it will run out of food aid for at least 1.4 million people in Chad by January due to a shortage of funds. And uh, Joseph Baki elected the new president of Liberia. Oh, yes, indeedy. Also, over the next two hours, we weigh into the crucial subject of forging connections between the black community and the Metropolitan Police alongside a discussion on the significance of ethical living. This is Trevor Blackman now, so let's get to it. Trevor Blackman now. Real people. Inspiring stories. Living legends. Award-winning talk show. Trevor Blackman now. My, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them, and I will do it by whatever means necessary.
Uma, yay, yes, in the A day featuring DJ Spen. It's the Clow Flow remix. I like saying that, the Clow Flow remix. And that's a way, good way to start the show, isn't it? Really enjoyed that. Kicking, yeah, really kicking track. Kicking, is that, do people say kicking now? Anyway, I'm just saying it. Uh, top of the day to you. Uh, welcome to Sunday afternoons here on Maritime Radio and Sunday mornings as we welcome our listeners in New I'm still getting over cooking, sorry. In New York, in the US, on GetLiveRadio.com for the first hour of the show. Good to be back. Uh, big thanks to Ben, as always, taking us from Sunday mornings into Sunday afternoons here on Maritime Radio. Enjoy your week ahead. I uh, hope it's a good one for you. So look, how was your week? How's it been? Uh, Doctor Who yesterday. Love Doctor Who. So I'm really happy. And of course, Umaye. I'm, I'm still on that track. Umaye. Uh, Wednesday, the autumn statement ooh, brought a pivotal question to the forefront. Is it about offering incentives or imposing penalties? Uh, I was watching Question Time. Really good question by one of the audience members, Carrot or Stick, especially concerning those on welfare, welfare, should I say, more crucially, those receiving disability benefits. Look, the elections next year, you know how it's played out. I'm going to say no more than that. Yeah? Okay. Coming up on the show today. It gets me to really pose this question. What do people honestly perceive in a situation? Because we can be saying what we feel based on what we understand with our points and our certain key words to really identify what we see as a problem. But sometimes you could be talking to people who, apart from those who just don't want to lose their power or their position, just don't get it. So at what point can we have conversations where there's actual resonance at a very base level, I feel like those conversations still haven't been established yet. My insightful panel are back. Dr. Chesney, poet Wendy Roberts, and of course, my partner in crime, Alex Mechanical Peters, return to weigh into the important question of how we rebuild trust between the Met Police Force and the black community. And what do we do about a problem called youth crime? That's an extended conversation after one. But first... This ceasefire deal won't bring safety from Israelis. They may betray it. They may not continue with it. If there is no real ceasefire deal that ends this, it is not worthy. Aren't you optimistic? No, no, I am not optimistic, but I am apprehensive that the attacks will be fiercer than before the ceasefire. They have to talk to the families. It's impossible that there are 240 kidnapped people and the government, our government, isn't talking to them, doesn't, isn't telling them what's going on, what's on, the, what's on the table. In the grand theatre of life, the stage often mirrors our world's triumphs and tragedies. We start today's show by opening the curtain on a significant play called Gaza Monologues. Set for a global premiere this Wednesday, originally staged in 2010, this compelling production, offering profound insight into the human stories within the intricate tapestry of Gaza, calls for a revisit in light, well, of recent events. To unravel the why behind the return of Gaza monologues, on Saturday, I spoke to its director, Michael Walling, of Border Crossings Theatre Company, who, alongside Ashtar Theatre, a Palestinian organisation fostering creativity and change, have brought back these powerful monologues. So, let's start with the why. There are various reasons. I mean, the Gaza monologues were originally created in the aftermath of a previous conflict in Gaza, uh, which was actually as long ago as 2010. Mm. Um, 
and and yet you read them today and you think this was written last week it, it's truly extraordinary how very very similar they are and how the events just seem to keep repeating themselves um, what happened then was that uh, in the aftermath of the 2010 conflict uh, Ashtar Theatre did some work with young people in Gaza uh, you know, very young then you know they were like 13 14 some of them mm -hmm. uh, and got them to write about their experiences their feelings and in many ways it was quite a therapeutic process I think and those monologues have existed ever since. Um, and Ashtar have done their very best to keep in touch with the different people who wrote them, uh, one of whom at least is not with us anymore, um, possibly more than that. Uh, and uh, they just seemed to be the right piece to go back to, just trying to raise some consciousness in the world that these are real people suffering. Yeah. Very, very deeply. And, you know, they were young people then. And you know, half of the population of Gaza is under 18, which is why you know, of the enormous, horrific death toll, 50% are children. Um, and I think we need to take awareness of that. Uh, and so, you know, we decided when, when Ashtar contacted us about this thing in particular, that we had a responsibility um, because we've also worked with them before, uh, which I can tell you about in a minute. Um, we had the responsibility um, to them, to the young people, and and to you know living ethically in the world. To say, actually, we're part of this. Yeah. We're part of this. We we need to take it on board. I think what you said there, in terms of living ethically in this world, is isn't there a frustration when you you turn on the TV, look at social media, pick up the newspapers, and even. Today, as we're recording this on Saturday, the Met Police have issued warning to those who are marching in central London in support yeah. of Palestine. It's just, you know, mm -hmm. basically saying, you know, you know, we, yeah. we shouldn't be killing people. It's 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 yeah. it's, it's wrong. Yeah. Haven't you found it frustrating? And wasn't there was there a moment to say, actually, I don't know if we can put this on in, in terms of the backlash we may get? you know not not in the slightest okay. um i i think sometimes when the need is so great when the events which are going on are so outrageous you just have to nail your colors to the vast i think sometimes you have to just stand up and be counted and take the risk and of course there will be people who say oh no you shouldn't be doing this is terribly political mm -hmm. um it's, uh, i'm not sure how political it is to say that the slaughter of children is inadmissible um, I think it just is. Yeah. Um, you know, you can you can drift along through life deciding that you don't want to upset anybody, and that you know you'll 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 make your money, you'll get married, you'll have children, your life's all right. Or you can decide, no, actually, I need to be involved in the world more widely, I, and I think that's ultimately what gives my particular life meaning. Mm -hmm. So that's what I meant by living ethically in the world. That um, I, I think sometimes. We have to recognize uh, that it's a bit bigger than us and whatever backlash there may be can come. I think living in purpose allows you to understand why you wake up and exist. So yeah. when you're when you when you when you when you do things that that resonate because it's right, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I like what you said. You, you have to nail the kind of thing to the mask and say, this is who I am. But you yeah. sitting there saying that and Astor Theatre saying this is something we should do 
is separate from getting 31 actors to actually sign up for it as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so talk to me about that process as well, before I also talk about more about what border crossings are doing. Talk to me about that. Actually, it wasn't very difficult. And I think that's partly because, you know, we've, we've been around as a company with a particular identity, um, you know, for cross-cultural performance work uh, for more than a quarter of a century now. And, um, as a result, I've got quite a big pool of actors, um, at least one of whom you know, <laughs> who, um, who have worked with us in the past. Um, and so I just sent out a string of emails and said, you know, would you would you like to be part of this? And, you know, the first three were to people who had been with me in Palestine in 2014. Um, so I've worked with Ashtar directly. So, of course, there is a common feeling amongst the people who have worked with us in the past. They understand what we stand for. And I think an awful lot of people felt that they also wanted to stand up and be counted and, and make a, a gesture of solidarity. Uh, particularly because it's something that's going on globally you know we're not the only organization doing this there are people reading around the world in you know, different formats and different ways um hopefully that means there will be there will be a wide impact as a result of what we're doing we did have a, a couple of people um I'll, I'll be vaguely tactful about this there, there was someone uh well actually this person is still considering whether to do it or not uh but it's only because they have actually quite a high profile mm -hmm. and uh and an american manager okay and of course in america there have been a lot of people who have expressed support for palestine and have had very serious repercussions you know being sacked by their agents and yeah. managers or dropped from tv shows that isn't yet happening in the uk and i suspect it won't i hope it won't no, um, I, I, well, no, I'm interested how that went, you know? Yeah, no, I hope it won't as well. Mm. But like I, I started off by saying, you know, mm. the stage is a reflection of, of our world and a mirror of society's triumphs and, and, and tragedies. Mm. And where we have politicians who, for whatever reason, came late to the call, and that's the call to say, let's have a ceasefire, let's get yeah. let's get aid, and let's get also those who have been taken, so we, whether you want to call them hostages, on either side as well, so those who have been detained and detained uh, without any form of legal due process when it comes to those Palestinians in um, Israel, and, and we can talk all day about that, where some, yeah. yes, have gone out there and you could say a terrorist and you know and, and gone around and killing people but they would say they've been doing that in the aid of releasing others who have been um imprisoned where are, where are our politicians as in the uk in this where where are they or when will they get to a point where even president biden is saying i hope this four-day ceasefire is the start i hope it is longer than this why why do you think our politicians aren't aren't there yet it's interesting you said at the start that um, you know theatre reflects our society, but I think our society is also theatrical. Um, and I think what we're very sadly seeing um, from well G seven powers primarily mm -hmm. is performance, um, and uh, they are taking stances which they think they ought to take in order to play to their particular constituency rather than taking a genuinely moral stance. 
and uh, I think Britain tends to yap along at the uh, coattails of America in this. You know, we saw what happened when Biden went to um, Israel Palestine, mm -hmm. uh, and then Sunak went very swiftly thereafter, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and and then expressed exactly the same sentiments um, that Biden had expressed, and it really was like, um, you know, I can do it too. Watch me. Mm. Um, I, I think we need to try and get away from that kind of public posturing mm -hmm. uh, and head towards a more genuine and, and meaningful um, exchange. Now, that, that's very, very hard to do. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, this may be actually the crisis moment that could tip us over mm -hmm. into a more honest global political discourse. Because if, if the truth be known, you know, virtually every country in the world has stated the need for the ceasefire, yeah. except the few most powerful and wealthy ones. Yeah, and that's because of vested interest. But um, it is indeed, yeah. and, and, and and it's shameful. It's shameful. Hmm. Um, it's shameful. We were talking on the show last week, and we said this very clearly. This is not to diminish any war because all wars are bad, but when it comes to media attention, there's a civil war still taking place in Sudan, the Democratic of Congo, and that's not getting as much um, attention as we would say what's happening in Ukraine and the Russia-Ukraine conflict, and of course now in terms of um, Gaza and, 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 and Israel. You know, sure. where, where politicians um, sit is about vested interests. But here's what I'll, I'll, I'll say to you, and I'll, I'll ask you whether this was the case. Did you have to change? You cited before about 2010 was the original um, monologues uh, oh. created by those young uh, Palestinians under Astra Theatre. Um, oh. And have has any of those monologues had to change slightly now? The actors have taken them on. Have they, has it been moulded in terms of recent or is it exactly the same in terms of what was said in 2010 that will be delivered on the 29th of this month. It's exactly the same. Um, we didn't feel there was anything that felt out of date or, or, or inaccurate. Um, it's absolutely, as much as anything, because it's you know young people's experience. Mm -hmm. So there, there are little stories in there, like someone who was sent out to get some bread for his mother and, and, and the bomb dropped and, and he went back home and his mother was cross because he hadn't got the bread. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, it so humanizes it. Mm -hmm. And that's the other huge issue politically is, you know, you can see some of the language around it. You know, when you see um, people talking about uh, many, many Israelis were killed, so many Palestinians died. Yeah. Um, and, you know, first of all, it's wrong to say that one side are killed and another's died. They're all killed. Um, but secondly, it's it's a number with a, a national description on you don't see the human story in that. You don't see um, that's my daughter buried under the rubble. Um, and that, I think, is what theatre can do, is it, it can bring the emotion back into our politics, because that's what we've lost with all the posturing and all the vested interests. And theatre's job is to get us into the same room in terms of humanity and to recognize you know, that common bond between us, it, it could be us. I sometimes think, I, I, I think you're right. I sometimes think whether it's theater practitioners, should I say, or someone needs to be in a room to help mediate. We're, we're, we're 56 years in. And when I asked you about, did you feel you needed to change the monologues? You went, no, the, the stories are the yeah. same. The messages are the same. Yeah. 
56 years, it's still the same. The reasons why a two-state solution should be is only the best way, in my opinion, you may have a different view on that, still exists. But yet our politicians, our leaders can't see that. And I, I sometimes feel it's people like you need to be in the room just to help. And here's the word that you use again, which I love, just to humanize what is happening, to remove all the other stuff away. Forget all the other hot air. Just just move that away. You know, it's like white noise. Just move it away. And let's just home in on the most important thing that there are people. People can live side by side. But what we have to do is put in place the infrastructure for them to do so. And that I don't know whether we're going to achieve in the next five, let alone 56 years. And that's the the most upsetting thing, I think, here. Yeah. Oh, gosh, there's various ways I could go in response to that. But let, let's just think for a moment about your, your lovely idea of theatre makers being in the room politically. Yeah, I, I'm here in Turkey at the moment working with Syrian refugees um, and we're using as the basis for this project um, a, an ancient Greek play called The Suppliants. And actually, you know, the Greeks did have the theatre makers in the room. It was compulsory for people to go and watch the plays at the city Dionysia. And the plays were dealing with very immediate issues in the case of Suppliants, refugees. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then after they had watched the play, the audience would go into the Pnics, the, the Parliament, or which also doubled as a court of justice, mm-hmm. and they would enact legislation and they would cast judgment um, in a very participatory way. So I think you're right. I think there is this ancient model, which is where both theatre and democracy began, which is telling us what we ought to be doing in ordering our society. We need to be putting cultural practice right at the centre of everything we do. Um, and that will enable us to see the human stories in it and get away from the vested interests, as you put it, the, the, the capital, which somehow now runs the whole thing. Because, you know, the Greeks didn't have elections. They were democratic. Yeah. But what it meant was they, they got everyone involved. Um, and, you know, the experiments which have been going on recently with um, people's assemblies mm-hmm, mm-hmm. have taken us to a much more humanitarian approach than... Uh, electoral so-called democracy has been doing. So we, we need a really, really big rethink. And this moment is bringing that into very, very sharp focus. Michael, you're going to have to come back. And I want to, I, and I want you to tell me more about the work that you're doing. As well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's another show, but I really yeah. want you to, come, to yeah. come back. Tell people how they can connect and view this coming Wednesday, should I say? Tell people how they can connect. Okay, it's Wednesday, this Wednesday, 29th at 7.30. If you go to our website, which is bordercrossings.org.uk, you'll find the Gaza Monologues page. And on that, there is a link to the Zoom. Um, It's in the Zoom room. You just connect at 7.30 and you can watch the whole thing live on Zoom. Absolutely. We're going to post all of those details across our socials um the gaza monologues border crossings alongside Asta theater will be presenting 31 actors all signed yeah. up. maybe even hopefully this special a-list one as well who you can't name <laughs> will also be there <laughs> as well michael thank you so much for coming on the show today thank you so much well thank you i've enjoyed talking to you Who by water, who in sunshine?
Who by Fire Leonard Cohen there. Uh, go out and find out more about why that song was produced, why he wrote it, what was happening in his life in 1973. And we talk about the war um, in Israel and the United Arab States. Just, yeah, go, go and find out. Go and find out. Anyway, all the details regarding the Gaza monologues are across our socials right now. Do, do, do check out the monologues this coming Wednesday from 7.30. It's going to be recorded on the Zoom. Hopefully, we will be able to play some of it for you at a later date. So a big, big thanks to Michael Wallins and his team for what they're doing. Anyway, still ahead, my insightful panel are back. Dr. Chesney, Wendy Roberts and Alec Mechanical Peters return to weigh into the important question of how we rebuild trust between the police force and the black community and what can we do about a problem called youth crime that's an extended conversation after one but up next to make way for that chat earlier than normal it's the headlines you might have missed including the world food bank program warns it will run out of food aid for at least 1.4 million people in chad by january and joseph bakai elected the new president of liberia those headlines and more when we return Follow Trevor now on Instagram at official TBN show.